Moto America fans, it's time for another episode of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you may even learn something from this unlikely pair and their special guest. The mic is yours, Paul and Sean. Hey, welcome Moto America fans to another edition of Off Track with Carruthers and Bice. Today we have a special guest. Uh, we had him on earlier in the year, actually before the season started, and that's Roger Hayden. We're going to have uh, Roger on here in a few minutes, and we're going to talk about the Superbike Series and some of the other classes as we've just reached the halfway point in what has been a fantastic championship so far. We're looking forward to the rest of the season and uh, and more great battles. I mean, the Superbike classes, I don't want to get started on it now because I want to wait until Sean and, and Roger are involved. but. Uh, you know, you look at Laguna Seca and, you know, we have a three-way battle for the championship. We have four different manufacturers in the top four. I mean, there's so much good stuff that's going on that, uh, you know, it's got me excited. And, you know, I don't get easily excited anymore, but uh, I'm definitely excited about this season. One thing I need to do, <clears throat> I need to address before we get started here is Sean wrote a story uh, talking about the, the the penalties that were handed out or the penalty mainly that was handed out to Jake Gagne that ended up costing him second place. He was docked two seconds for riding outside the track limits, which they set up in the final corner, and they did it more as a safety issue than anything else. And honestly, I didn't like the ruling then, and I still don't. I just, I, I just didn't agree with, I, I don't agree with really much of it, but what I don't agree with is Richard Stamboli and Richard chose to go on to his podcast, um, ask a Superbike genius. And although I agree with a lot of what, what Richard said, and he made some good points, but his ignorant rant on the podcast when it had to come, when it came to Sean Vice is just ruined his argument for the for uh, ruined the rest of his argument for me because he made it a personal attack on Sean. You know, I don't like everything Sean does. Sean doesn't like everything I do. And it's a relationship that works because we come from two different sides of this thing and it all works and it works well for Moto America. And if Sean is guilty of anything, it's that he defends Moto America through thick and thin and that's what makes him a good public relations person as far as I'm concerned. I come at it from a little different side and sometimes I disagree with what they do, but it works for us. But for for Richard to call Sean dumb, stupid, a moron, a jerk off, I mean, Sean's many things and those four things don't come to mind when I think of Sean. And I just th thought it was a good idea for me to defend him. He doesn't really need the defense. But I'm going to close with something, and I think it, it works well with this. But I, I think people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. And that's all I'm going to say about it. So let's move on. And uh, first of all, Roger, welcome back to the show. And, and thank you for all you do for Moto America. Your broadcasting skills have evolved into you're sort of a mini star now. So we appreciate having you and, and all you bring to the series. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. And it's been a uh, man. I don't think we could expect the season to be to be this exciting, you know, at the halfway. And and this is the part of the year when things really get more exciting. So I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely going to be good. I mean, it's it's been good, and I just you know the anticipation is high for it to just continue to 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 get better and better and better. And like I said, we're halfway through. Let let's let's talk about the super bikes first because obviously it's our premier class. But right now, Jake Gagne is thirty four points ahead of Cameron Bobier. It's two seventeen to one eighty three. Both of them have won five races. The difference really in the points championship so far is the fact that Bobier has two DNFs, a mechanical at Road America and a crash at the Ridge. And Gagne only has one DNF, which was his engine failure at Road America. So other than that, Jake has 10 podiums. Cameron has seven. And then we go to Josh Heron, who has one win. He's third in the championship and 39 points behind. So those three have sort of established themselves as the guys to beat, obviously, because of the fact that they're the only three that have won races. And, you know, like if you look at somebody like Heron, he's scored points in every single round. And that, to me, is probably the biggest surprise so far. You just don't expect. Uh, I expect a lot of stuff from Josh Heron, but consistency like that isn't one of them. And I know you've been working with him a lot, Roger. Is that is that something you were you were pushing? Well, I think you know honestly a little bit, but I think the biggest thing that Josh has done this year is, uh, you know, you get to a point in your your career where, and I think everybody's did that before. And how can I make that next step, right? And uh, kind of look at himself and, uh, you know, like acknowledge the areas where he could improve. And a lot of those he started working on and they didn't come every day. The biggest thing for him, I think personally, and it didn't have nothing really to do with me, was his off season, right? Got in great shape, training, uh, super confident, ready to go into the go into the year, just ready to fight. And, uh, and for him doing that, and that's just something you got to find within yourself. I mean, a, uh, a trainer or anybody else can tell you what to do, but, you know, not that I was his trainer, but that was the stuff that he did on his own before he ever even called me. And I think just coming into that year, for him coming in the year, just fit and ready to go. Um, and then also, too, he he's, you know, Josh is really good at social media and uh he really looks at that stuff and i think he read too a lot of people saying um you know that maybe he didn't deserve that ride and uh so i feel like he just came in the, the year super motivated knew the areas where he needed to improve and uh and worked on them and also when things wasn't going right or maybe something he was working on wasn't clicking right away he uh he also decided to just keep chipping at it and getting better. And that's the thing. It's the little, little things that add up when you, you know, get to that, that level. And it's the the little things that, that Josh has been doing. Also, I think he loves his team. And I think that has a lot. Of it. And we know how good he is when he's having fun. And I think he's uh, having a great time. And, you know, for Josh and a lot of riders, I've been there before too. I've had a factory ride. I've lost it. And I fought like heck to get it back. And when you go through those trials and tribulations of showing up to a race weekend on a bike where, you know, hopefully a top five or, you know, even, you know, or a couple bikes he rode in Superbike that wasn't really race winning bikes. 
man, when you get that next opportunity again, you know what you got and you don't want to lose it. And uh, I think that's something for sure that, that Josh has thought about, well, he knows this is a great opportunity. Also, as you get older, you kind of know your chances are, are less. So I think just for him, all that stuff, he's, you know, just a lot within himself, I think has been a huge jump, but you know, the consistency has been great. You know, every weekend has been really consistent, a podium guy, even when things don't go right, big crashes. And, uh, I think he, he wants to he wants to sneak his way into that title fight, I believe. And if he stays consistent and we see those two guys start going at it, he could find his way a lot closer than, you know, 30 points or whatever it is. Yeah, I think coddle might not be the right word, but I think the team tends to coddle him and make him feel really wanted. And I know I, I know like like most of us. Josh likes to feel liked by people, right? And I mean, that goes on social media. With as much social media that he does, you know, I know the little things that might be negative towards him. I know those kind of hurt him. You know, he's not as he's not as tough as he as he acts as he acts. But I think it, he fits well into that team because I think they genuinely care about him and they've made him their priority, and he feels that. I think the other thing that surprises me that, and it probably comes from just maturity, but. I mean, there, there was a point when we can all remember when he, he didn't appear to be comfortable leading. I think that's changed. He was prone to making silly mistakes and perhaps being a little too anxious or lack patience. And I think that's changed as well. And then obviously he has the flat out speed that he's always had, but he's just kind of put that into a package now that you you could see him contending for this championship the entire way. And that's just you name those things and that's like some of the things where he knew that he had to work on, you know, it, it's hard whenever you've won super bike titles, super sport titles, you know, stock 1000 titles, you know, and kind of being the age where Josh is at, like, well, I don't need to get any, but you know, what, what do I have more to learn or what do I have more to get better? And I think that's been huge for him, you know, mainly getting in shape, but also, recognizing those areas where he could get better and working on getting better and, you know, all those, all those little things. So I think that was, uh, you know, that's a, I think that's huge for, for a guy to realize. And and you're right. Some of those areas was where he was kind of weak. And, you know, I think, I think Josh knew that. And I think he was wanting to get better and he's working at it. And, uh, I think he'll continue to get better as the confidence comes and he sees these things all starting to starting to come together. Yeah, Raj and, and Paul, I, I completely agree with you guys. I mean, we we all we know we know Josh Heron so well. I mean, he's obviously started young in our series and we've known him and we and you know, but in some ways we we don't know him. And you guys have pointed out some of that stuff, the fact that um you know, some of the things he's done in the past. I mean, he seems like a different rider now. And I, I pointed, one thing I pointed out in my duly noted this, uh, at this past week here is he's, he's king of the beast. Now the dude has got a broken foot and a problem with his shoulder and he is continuing to race, continuing to ride. And that's, I'm not saying that you should always do that. And we all know riders, you know, that our tough road racers are absolutely tough. I mean, Raj, you know, you uh, left part of your finger on the track one at one place and, you know, you guys ride wounded all the time, but, you know, I know there's some been some times, I mean, Josh, you know, when it's, 
when a track is a little wet, he wasn't sure about, he would not be sure about that in the past. I have no doubt if we have a rain race the rest of the season, he's going to go out on that Ducati without any problem. And he showed, he just is after it and wanting to do it. And, you know, the thing about, you know, he used to in qualifying, he would follow guys around or whatever. He doesn't do that anymore. I mean, he's, he's really, really changed and, and it surprised me a little bit. I wasn't sure where he'd end up this year, but he, you know, I have to say, I mean, where he's at is a little better than I might've thought. Um, and, and I think Richie Escalante is the same way. I mean, he had a decent, uh, freshman season in Superbike, but this year he's really making some difference too. And man, what he did at Laguna Seca, you know, getting, uh, qualifying where he did and, you know, on the front row and then getting three fourth place finishes and, you know, being in the mix and, and taking it to guys like Matthew Skoltz or Camp Peterson or whatever, um, he's done a good job. Um, I'm the one I'm, I'm a little surprised about. Um, and I want to, and I want you guys to comment on this a little bit is Matthew Skoltz. I don't know what's going on. I, I don't understand it. I mean, he's got a good bike. He's very fast and then something happens and there's been things from, it looks like he didn't have any front brakes coming out of the pits that one time. I mean, he had that that crash, what was it coming, coming down through the corkscrew? And then he had a bad crash that, you know, he obviously hurt himself, banged himself up. And speaking of tough guys, he toughed it out through the weekend. But, but Paul, I mean, you know, we, we, we hang on what Matthew does a lot because we like him so much. We like that team. We want him to do well and he has done well, but something's just a little bit weird right now. Don't you think? Yeah. And I can't put my finger on it. I mean, he just, I don't know. It's it, it, I. I think I said this in the show we did earlier in the year. I never know if he's overachieving or underachieving. He, I mean, is he overachieving when he does well, and is he is he underachieving when he doesn't? I mean, it just it, it it's just difficult to figure out. I think I don't know the team when things start to look like they're going well, then something happens that 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 flips it around, and I, it's it's really hard to tell with him because he's just you know, it's, it's just up and down. And Roger, I don't know if, if you can figure it out or if you've thought about it enough to know what, uh, what could be going on there, but it's, it, you know, it's definitely worth talking about. Well, I think one of the, the biggest things is, um, you know, whether it's a crash or something else, it just seems like it, it just, just doesn't go smooth from, from start to finish. And uh, I think also too, if you're struggling a little bit this year, I think it's magnified because the field is so competitive and so close, right? Where before, maybe you could be a you know a, a percent off and still get on the podium. Now you're you're a percent off for whatever reason. You're fifth or sixth because Cam's back. Cam's elevated, uh, you know Gagne, and then Heron is elevated himself to the riding the best he's ever rode so you know it just seems like now that it, it's just it's hard to really pinpoint what it is you know you see sometimes there's uh you know a couple crashes or in in a session it was kind of surprising at the ridge when he qualified really well and it didn't get that good lap in um he's really consistent but it just seems like those top three guys right now have just really man they've just stepped it up to a level where if you're just a little bit off or you're just a little bit not or a little bit uncomfortable it just seems like it's a lot worse now than it was previously because there is so many 
good guys. I mean, you look at the top, what was it, the top four or five guys on Sunday race three all finished within like five seconds. I mean, that's that's competitive and that's close. Yeah, you know, Roger and, and Paul, it, this year at the beginning of the season, and maybe you guys felt the same way, I personally was a little bit nervous about the Medallia Superbike class because I we ha- there were so many unknowns about what was going on with that Tytler Cycle racing team. And, you know, with Cameron coming back, and we know the, the caliber of rider he is, but we didn't know about the bike, what kind of support they were going to have, and how it was going to go for him to adapt to that new bike. And, you know, PJ did really well last year, too. Um, and, you know, Corey Alexander was getting along well and, and was moving up to Superbike and is always motivated. But, you know, it was... It was certainly good to see that Cameron did and is doing what he's doing on that bike. And it's obviously very early days for him on that. And I mean, he seems like he can certainly ride anything. I mean, we know for sure. We know Jake Gagne is pretty much at the top of his game game and is going to continue to do, you know, terrific. Uh, and, and is obviously a huge factor this year. And the guy is such a, you know, a cool customer. He just, you know, takes it as he sees it and does what he does. Um, and Cam Peterson had a good year last year. Um, but, you know, it's another one. I don't want to talk about the adversity all the time with this, but I I, I want to mention as, as well, Cam Peterson, I I talked to his dad real briefly and he and, and his dad is um, working on Disrupt Racing's team, right? He's working with, which rider is he? I think it's the Rich Motorcycle. Uh, oh, that's not- right. Bobby, Bobby yes. I'm not sure exactly who, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. Sorry about that, Raj. Yeah, he's working. That's right. Sorry. He works with Bobby Fong and and he said he's so deep in that he hasn't really been able to even talk to Cam or pay attention. But he, he did say it's something with his mindset. And that's his dad saying it. I didn't say it, but there's something going on. And obviously he's dealing with adversity with that wrist, that, that, that bone in his wrist is terrible. And I also heard he's overcompensating or compensating and having problems now with the left-hand side, because he has to kind of favor it a little bit. Um, I mean, Paul, it's just, he's another one, you know, we, we love the kid. Like we love Matthew. We hate to see these guys going through this stuff, but I don't, I'm not sure what's up with, with Cam and, you know, he, maybe he's pressing too hard. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a contract year for a lot of these riders for him. I don't know, but it's, it's heartbreaking. Don't you think Paul? Yeah, I think it's just gotta be rough. He's had four DNFs and he's had one podium and everybody knows how fast he is, but I, I, I don't know if this is the case, but it, it's like sometimes you just feel like somebody wants something so bad that they almost want it too bad. And then they, they struggle to, you know what I mean? I don't know if it's the pressure they put on themselves or the mistakes they make from trying too hard, but I think he's just kind of fallen into that at this point. And it's got to be rough when, you know, we're, we're whatever, six rounds into this thing and you realize any hopes you had of being champion are already gone. Um, and you're, you know, you're fighting to get back inside the top five and he can do that because he's still capable. He's capable of winning races and gaining a lot of points on these guys. But the the big picture is that, you know, championship's gone and, and you got to feel like, okay, well now what do I do to motivate myself for the rest of the year? I mean, the thing you should do obviously is like, okay, I'm going to freaking win a bunch of races and who who cares about championships at this point? And I mean, would you, is that how you'd look at it, Roger? I would just try to, you know, obviously with Cam, it's just he's had some bad luck or Cam Peterson, some bad luck for one. 
uh, and then and some crashes as well. And some of them are like the ones at the ridge. Some of his crashes have just been really strange, like kind of crashing where you don't really see a lot of crashes. And uh, he has showed the speed. I mean, before he crashed at uh, the ridge, he was chasing down uh, Jake and uh, bringing uh, Bobier with him and then just had that that little weird crash. And you know how it is. We talk about it all the time with, with riders and confidence and when things are going well, it just seems like everything's rolling good. Well, the same thing happens when you're having bad luck and things aren't going right. You know, he had the arm injury, couple crashes, mechanicals. It's just like they can't get the the ball rolling completely in the right direction. And it seems like every time they get going, something happens. And I think for him, you know, even though he's not in the points battle, but, you know, you would think you would just want to try to reel off as many races as you can and get that ball rolling in the right direction, headed into next season, hopefully. And, you know, get that momentum going and, and win some races and get that confidence and prove to yourself that because he can run for these guys. We've seen we've seen the speed and uh, just some small little mistakes, whether it's his part or, or not. And um, I think for him, just and contract year as well. You mentioned that. I mean, that that's uh, it's tough being a rider whenever, you know, your profession there's a hundred people, there's five jobs out there and there's over a hundred people wanting it. And, uh, Oh, sorry, Raj. So I think if he can just get going in the right direction and get that ball rolling and, you know, start, let's just get that momentum going back on our side. So I'm anxious to ask both of you guys this. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask this question to both of you and, you know, Paul, you can chime in first, but you know, Roger being, uh, having have teammates, so, Paul, you had said, just got to, you know, concentrate on winning races now. Well, I kind of wonder now. I mean, obviously, that's what every rider needs to do. Last year, uh, it seemed like there were a couple of races where I felt like Cameron Peterson could have won those races, but he kind of deferred to his uh, his teammate a little bit. I may be wrong about that, but it felt like at times he kind of was like, well, he's the one leading the championship. I need to be a good teammate, you know. And and I'm I don't know if this is the right way to go because he does have his career and what's going to happen next year. But maybe this would help him to continue with Yamaha to maybe help Jake a little bit and 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 get in the mix and and you know enable him to do some stuff. Um, you know, Paul, what do you think of that concept? And then I want Roger to address it as a teammate and whether he's ever had to do that. Um, I don't know. I think that's bullshit, really. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the 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 easiest way, the best way to keep your ride is to win races. Okay. And that's how you increase your value. If you can if you can help your teammate mate at some point when he really needs it, you know, more power to you. But I'm I'm not sure they're gonna get into that position because Jake Gagne isn't really a guy that needs much help, if you know what I'm saying. So I think I think, you know, it's like when you play golf, right? You have a really shitty front nine. And your score is high, but when you flip that scorecard over, you're like, you know what? This is a new nine holes. Let's get my shit together, and I'll forget about the front nine. And I think that's what Cameron Peterson has to do at this point. Is just like none of that happened. We're starting fresh. This is race number one, and I'm going to go do my business. And it, it, and I think he's capable of doing that. And I think, I think the next round is going to be very important for him to get that second half of the season started in a positive way. Cause I think he could actually get to roll, get, get things rolling after that. If, if he indeed can pull that off. I think it's too, way too early in the year to be 
for him to be thinking about, you know, team orders or helping his teammate. Obviously, he's smart enough to know if he's battling with, with Jake, not to take any unnecessary risk. But at the same time, you know, he needs to beat Jake. He needs to prove to himself and prove to the team that that he can win races. Now, if it comes down to the, the last race of the year and the points are close and he can beat Jake, then obviously maybe, you know, he might have to, to fall into team orders. But right now, I think he wants to, to beat Jake and prove that he can beat him. Not just to the team, but to himself, and puts all that that work into it. And I think Paul was right. Move on to to Brainerd and and act like it's a fresh start to the year and uh, get going. And you know, like I said, obviously with his teammate winning or leading the, the points, you don't want to do anything to take your teammate down. But at the same time, it did a lot for his confidence and his value if he could beat his teammate toward the end of the season. All right, I want to circle back to the two guys at the top of the championship. We haven't really touched on them too much. We've kind of we've dealt with the other guys a bit, but I think it's time to to talk about Bobier and Gagne. With with Cam Bobier coming back in, and Roger, you're you're really familiar with this. I feel like he's come back from Europe, and I think he's 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 stepped up. It reminds me of, of Tony Elias when he came here that he kind of raised everybody's level a little bit. And I think Cameron coming back has done that as well. I think they all knew, they all knew how good of a rider he was because most of them have raced with him before he went to Europe. And I think they all knew that he'd come back even stronger. And so far he's shown that that's exactly the case. He seems more aggressive to me. He seems more aggressive in the early laps. And I think it in turn has made those other guys sort of fall into the same thing. And, they they all realize that they can't let Jake Gagne get off the start and go. But Cameron has also shown that that's happened a couple of times and he's been able to reel Gagne back in. But if you notice at the beginning of the race, they're all like really, really anxious to get to the front. And I think, you know, maybe with Cam Peterson at Laguna Seca in race one, you know, it was a little too much too soon. And, you know, Gagne said in the press conference, he's like, you know, tomorrow everybody needs to chill a little bit in turn two to get these tires up to temperature and just not do anything silly in the, in the, in basically what's the first corner on the, on the opening lap anyway. And, you know, I wanted to tell him, it's like, okay, well, that's great that you think that. And I think you're totally right. But none of the, every one of these guys is a little bit nervous and apprehensive about, you know, Oh, let's take it easy for the first two corners because they have a feeling that Jake Gagne not going to do that. So anyway, I think it's kind of, it's, I think it's an interesting season. I think, you know, we have different brands. I think Gagne and Bobier are still a little step above everybody else. And I think it's going to play out to be, to be really a, a, a great season. But what, what do you think about that? Uh, Rods, do you think, you think Bobier's up his game and he's brought those guys with him a bit? I think Bobier's definitely up his game from coming to Moto2. I mean, every weekend you're just fighting for your life. And I don't think some people forget how good, you know, Cam Bovier had a lot of really good races in Moto 2. I mean, he has the track record at Coda, you know, when he got on pole there. Uh, there was a lot of races where he was at the front and the rain started and, and he crashed out. Uh, a lot of other races where he was toward the front and maybe toward the last couple laps, you know, crashed. But to be able to do that just shows you where your talent level is to even – be that close and I'm with you I think he's a lot more aggressive 
a lot more. And I'm not saying that when we used to race uh, Bovier that he was soft by no means. But I think he's brought that aggressiveness to Moto2. When he catches somebody now, I feel like he would maybe follow for a lap and really set up his pass as well. Uh, it seems like now when he catches somebody, he's passing them. And he's sticking that in. He's sticking it in there. You know, you didn't, you didn't really ever see Cam make a pass and be like, whoa. Now you see him, you know, stick it in there and take those chances. And I think he's brought that over from what he's learned from, from Moto2 and made a huge step. I think we all thought Cam was going to win races, but I don't know, think, think we were going to uh, – you know, start winning them this quick. And, um, you know, he was fast at Atlanta and Road America. And, you know, we all talked about the long straightaways, the strength of the BMW. And, you know, it's going to be different when we go to other tracks. We go to another track without a straightaway at uh, the Ridge and he wins. Yep. And so I think that's been surprising. And then also that team is relatively new. Uh, so, to start winning superbike races that quick is is not easy, but I think Cam is definitely Cam Bobier's definitely raced his game, and I mean he is, you know, I mean I say I've said it many a times that I mean he's by far the uh, most talented rider that I've ever raced against. You know, he would do things on the bike or do a lap time, and you would think, how is that even possible, or how can you string that many laps together at that pace? And I think now he's come back. You know, how we, we kind of talked about earlier about losing that factor ride and then getting it back or whatever. Cam knows what it's like to win, to struggle. Now he's back to knowing what it's like to win again. I don't think he wants to lose that feeling. And uh, he's doing a he's doing a great job. And I, I expect him to be competitive. But I don't know if I was expecting. Uh, I don't know why I'm a little bit surprised but. And I think it's also, too, because we see the, the BMW not as, not as competitive in, in some of the other world series. So you think, well, maybe it's not the bike, but then, you know, Cam jumps on it and he makes it do all those things that seems like some others have trouble getting it to do. So I think a mixture of him being really good and then also elevating the team and um, just being a heck of a rider and wanting to win and you know, he wants to get that number one plate, you know, and, and he wants to beat Jake and show he's still the king and of the last how many of years. And you go back to your point about, you know, some of the guys making mistakes early on in the race because they don't want Jake Gagne to get away. I think that's I think it's 100 percent right, because that's all we've ever talked about for the last two years is how Jake the race is over on the first lap how Jake gets out there and gets up to speed right away. And uh, how could you not get a good start and think, I'm going to get my tires up to temperature. I'm going to get going really quick. So if he does come by me, I'm ready. You know, like I'm not going to need a couple laps to get going. I am going to be ready if he comes by. And, um, you know, I think that puts pressure on a lot of guys. Like I said, we talk about it. The TV people talk about it you know, live plus, and we always just go on for the last couple of years about, and everybody can see it too. All those riders are good. They go back and watch the races. And, you know, when you sit down after the race with your team and you debrief and, you know, they're going to say, what happened those first five laps? You know, why couldn't you go? And you work on that and then you get a good start and you can see these guys really aggressive that first lap because they're trying to put themselves in that right spot because they don't want to let Jake go. 
even though we say it all the time, I mean, it's, it's really easy where we sit, right? Watching it on TV or monitor and saying, you just got to get up to speed that first couple laps and not let him get away. Yeah, it's easier said than done. You know, it's a lot harder when you're on the bike and you're in that spot. Yeah, I think kind of what's happened as well. I think the past couple of years, Gagne's just elevated himself to the point where he's almost untouchable. And I think with Cameron coming back, he's shown that that's not necessarily the case. So I think it kind of gives everybody more hope because they've seen a guy that could catch him. Uh, they've seen a guy that can start as quickly as him. They can, they've seen a guy who can be as aggressive as him in the early laps. And I think it's just, you know, again, back to that raising everybody's level. I think that's just kind of what's happened. They've seen that, you know, it's not an impossible task to beat Jake Gagne. It's a very, very difficult task. And still there's more that can't do it than, than, than have been able to do it. But at least I think everybody sees that there's, you know, a glimmer of hope there. And also to, to jump in real quick with with Gagne stepping up as well. He's heard it for the last two years where, well, if Bobier was here, well, if, if Cameron was here, well, he wins because Cam's not here. You know what I mean? Like he hears right. that all the time. I mean, he hears it, and he he's stepping up this year because he wants to prove to everybody it's not because Cam left. I'm, I'm the man. Right. And it's easy yeah. it's easy for him at this point to say it, because he's got a big points lead still. But I honestly believe Jake when he says that he enjoys this more. He enjoys having a battle every race. He enjoys having somebody, you know, that he can all, he'll tell you, he's like, I never count Cameron Bobier out of any race. I don't care where he qualifies. I don't care where he's gridded. I just don't count him out. But I think he actually enjoys the battle. And I I wouldn't say that he was getting bored with all that winning because that nobody gets bored with it. But but I do think he's he's enjoying himself a lot more now that he's got a battle. That could go away if suddenly the championship gets a bit closer. But for now, I think that's actually the case. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I know that we've when we see Jake take off like he does, we're like, oh, we've seen this movie before. But I mean, what Road Atlanta? I, Cameron was quite a ways back, and you were going. I remember Paul. You were like, oh, he's catching him. He's catching him, and. You know, I couldn't believe that it went like it did to the point now where you, you can't count that guy out wherever he is. He seems to like he's able to catch up and and get there. And and you're right. It has empowered some of the other riders. Um, and one of them, I'm wondering how it's empowering him. I think it is. But I know they have a good relationship is his teammate, PJ Jacobson. Now, PJ you know, is known to be a little on a little bit lower spec bike although although it turned out whoa i don't know if you heard that that was in the background there um although if you uh if if you have heard what i've heard which is that you know cam had that other frame while he crashed it crashed the damaged the fuel tank and ended up back on this kind of the same kind of bike that you know same spec of of bmw m1000rr that uh, pj was on and i think that fuels pj for sure um as much as he likes cameron i mean he obviously wants to beat him so that's another rider that I want to ask um, you guys about. And Roger, maybe you can comment on this. Uh, you know, it uh, Cameron is the carrot for PJ Jacobson. PJ was the incumbent on that team last year, had some great results, including, man, that last uh, lap finish at the last race at Barber when he got past Petrucci, when nobody expected that to even happen. Um, another teammate question, Roger. I mean, is that the first one you want to beat your teammate? Is that helping PJ? With Cameron, yeah, I think it, it's helping and also it hurts too. You know, like 
you see your teammate do a lap time and you know you're on basically the same bike. I mean, even if he's got something a little bit different, you know, there's really not a part on the bike that you bolt on that gives you just a half a second. So I think for one that's elevated PJ and PJ, you could see it in PJ's eyes at Road America, you know, and it was kind of cool. To, I mean, it was cool, but it wasn't cool to see where he was disappointed with second. And that's when you know a rider's got some confidence that he knows he can win, should have win, wants to win, not happy with the podium. And uh, I think for for PJ, just use that carrot, look at that data if possible, figure out what what Cam's doing, and and don't get discouraged. And uh, the big thing with with PJ, and we've talked about this with a couple of the other guys, is is kind of eliminating some mistakes and it's really hard to do when everybody's so close and you're pushing it on that ragged edge and you know you go to Laguna he's top three in every session and he crashes and totals his bike right before the first race right before everybody put a new tire on to go any quicker finds himself on the third row and I mean that's just hard to do come from the third row and I and uh so I think he knows what the bike can do, but, you know, it also just trying to find that consistency each race weekend, you know, like fast one weekend and then maybe not as fast the next. You can just carry that over to, to each weekend. And, you know, it's difficult when your your teammates doing really well every weekend and you're basically on the same bike. So there's another guy, another rider that we, I don't know if we wished for or hoped for, but we were certainly glad to see that he got another shot back at riding in Superbike, and it's Bobby Fong. We had him on the podcast recently, and it was before he did this, and we were kind of, you know, excited and and hopeful about what we were going to see. And, I mean, it's gone okay so far, but, I mean, obviously he's got to figure the bike out. He hadn't been on a Yamaha. Um, He's got to integrate with that team a little bit, but... I don't know. I mean, I, is there more, are, is there more to see from Bobby? And I think there is, it's tough to split his time with what he's doing, but now that he's on that bike, what, what do you think so far, Paul? Well, man, it's, you know, yeah, I was excited when he got the ride and the opportunity to ride the Yamaha, but you know, I, I've, t- it's, since then I've talked to David Anthony about the bike and, you know, he said that there, there's this misconception that that Yamaha is very easy to ride and you can just jump on it and go fast. And David told me that he struggled with it and he had a feeling that Bobby might struggle with it as well. And I think that's probably what the case is. I mean, I think everybody in the paddock has always thought of that bike as being like the Holy Grail. And man, if I could just get on that bike, I'd rule the world. And I think, you know, Bobby's shown that maybe it's it's not by any means that the bike's no good because that's obviously not the case, but maybe the bike's a little difficult to adjust to. And, you know, obviously he comes back into that class after not being in it for a while and things change. I mean, they, everybody's getting faster. Everybody's got more time on their bikes. Everybody's got more time with their teams, whether they're new or existing teams. And I think the landscape has just changed a bit. And so far he's had a bit of a struggle, you know, getting to the point where he's actually competitive uh, you know, to the top five or whatever he, his immediate goals would be. But that's that's kind of how I see it at this point. And I think, too, for him, you know, jumping in the Superbike class midseason is is hard. And even if you got Jake Gagne's bike from the previous year, you're going to a team that's learning the bike as well. It's not like him and his team had the old off season. 
Jake Gagne had that bike and attacking those guys have been working on that for four or five years. They know the insides and out and all that. So, you know, that's a little bit of a bonus. But you jump on and you haven't been in the super bike for a couple of years. You never rode the Yamaha. Uh, the team is relatively new to the Yamaha as well. So it's going to be hard to – the Superbike class is hard. I mean, it, you're not going to jump in midseason, I don't think, on a bike that you haven't rode all year and start podium Superbike races unless – I mean, maybe maybe Rossi. But, you know, it's going to be hard if you've never rode on a bike. No off-season testing. Uh, hasn't rode a Superbike in a couple years. Uh, team just got the bike this off season. Didn't have a lot of off season testing and all that. It's going to be hard. And he was making big strides at Laguna, and then had that crash, and uh, you know didn't make the last race. But that weekend, you were seeing his name at the end of that. You could see him in the picture with that next group. Finally, he was making some big strides and had that big crash in the, in the second race. So. I guess the big thing now is, are they going to have all the same parts to to fix it back the way it was? Hey, so I was going to mention something at the top of this podcast, but Paul left me speechless because I didn't know he was going to do that. And thank you, Paul, for coming to my defense. You and I, you and I battle each other sometimes, but it's it's good to know somebody's got my back. So aside from that, I want to tell you yesterday, I got a phone call from Benjamin Smith and Roger, I'm sure you know about this, but obviously, and Paul does for sure. You know, he kind of, things went sideways for that team. He was on CW Moto and not sure what they're going to do the rest of the year, but Benjamin is no longer going to be riding for them in Superbike. And it's no secret that he he had some trouble adapting. Well, you know, I wasn't sure what he was going to do. So he called me yesterday and said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get this thing going and it's going to be, it's going to get going as soon as Brainerd he's on the entry list. And this is kind of a little bit breaking news, but Benjamin is going to go his own way. He's going to go back and he's going to go into stock 1000 and Superbike cup, but he's at right now building his own R1. It's going to be his dad and a couple other people on the team, but um, he's actually working, uh, he, the bike is being built by Don, who's one of the guys that works at Westby racing. He, Don actually works with, um, uh, Ryan Burke, sorry, took me a second. Um, who's also on an R1. So he's been helping him this year. Um, and so he's, he's having a, essentially a Westby racing R1 built to stock, uh, 1000 specs. So that'll be a little bit better for him to handle. And he's, he's going to be back as soon as um Brainerd so the big question is whether he can get that bike ready and get his team all set up to go up there so um and then of course he'll continue on through the remainder of the season he had he has some relationships with Northeast Cycle Outlet Racing who he raced with before in Super Bike in Super Sport um his uncle I think it is uh is actually one of the crew members and and Kyle Alexander the owner is somehow related to Benjamin too so I know he's going to get some support from them as well but speaking of that with Supersport and those guys field of course Anthony Maziato um and CJ LaRoche but I want to talk a little bit we're running out of time but I want to talk quickly about about Supersport and I think I'm going to kick it back to Roger again with this crazy thing with Chavi Flores, the Spanish rider who's who's racing for Warhorse HSBK, racing uh, Ducati, and we knew he was good, and we also heard that he wanted to be on the Superbike, but he ended up being on the Supersport bike. That uh, well, I don't know if it's the same bike, but it's certainly the one that Heron r- raced to a championship last year. 
And Forres has been unbeatable. I mean, he had a, he said he self-admitted he had a tough time at uh, at uh, Laguna Seca with the front end of that bike because they had quick change forks on it. And it changed the handling, but the dude still won the race, whether there's uh, pit stops or not, and the team helped him with that. But he he could win every he could win every race this season. Uh, what do you think, Raj? Uh, he definitely. I think. I mean, it's going to be really hard because you know. Uh... You know, Josh Hayes is not going to want to let him win no. every race. So he's going to yeah. throw everything at it. Uh, but, you know, the the big, the impressive thing with Chavi is he's a racer and he focuses on the race. You know, he puts a lot of laps in and practice, works a lot on race setup. Uh, a couple races this year, not qualify on the front row. Don't really see his name up there a lot, like top one or two in practice or qualifying. And when the race starts, he finds his way straight to the front right away. And uh, the team's not making any mistakes, and he's not making any mistakes. At Laguna, a lot of problems with the front end. You know, you could see he had almost a couple crashes. And you could just see that veteran experience pop in. He's like, well, second is the best as I'm going to do today unless something happens. And he doesn't try to force it down the road to keep that win streak going. And then Josh and him have issues in the pits, and he's able to to win. And I think talk about confidence a lot. I think he feels like he can't put a a wheel wrong. And um, you know, we've all heard the rumors, right? If he wraps it up early, is there a yes. chance on a superbike at the end of the year? That's just I'm. That's just a rumor I heard somebody you know ask me if I knew anything about it, and I don't, by the way, but. If he he wants to be on superbike, so the sooner he can wrap it up, maybe if that's possible, he gets to get on the the, the superbike and uh, you know, and then also you never know too uh, a clause. If he wins a super sport title, does he automatically get a superbike ride the next year? You know, I don't I don't know if it's in there or not. I'm just saying, but it's been really impressive, and he's a world class rider. And he's had a lot of great results in world superbike. Uh, I don't know if we expect him to to kind of go on this run. But they've been really impressive. Yeah, I I don't see him losing. I thought if 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 there was a chance of him losing, I thought it might be in one of the extended races, just because you know there's more things that can go wrong and there's more things that he can't control. But I mean, talk about a, a gentleman, a great racer. I mean, I, I'm I'm so happy that he's in our series and and he wants to stay here it seems like forever and, and we'd be happy to have him because he's, he's quality dude and he just goes about his business and you can just tell he's a real professional with it. And I know he does anything we need him to do and I can go ask him about anything and he'll, you know, he'll tell me yes and we'll get it done. So it's uh it's from our standpoint, he's, it's a win-win. I will say though, I will say one thing about that though. We seen a couple of the other guys come over from Europe. Didn't really, didn't really like Brainerd. So true. That's true. A different rider. Everybody's different. He might come there and fall in love with it. Thinks the greatest place ever. But you know, I think that's got to be one on the uh, the calendar. And then you know, Josh. Josh gets around. I mean, Josh gets around everywhere really good. But also New Jersey. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I like you said earlier. I don't see Josh throwing in the towel on this by any means. And you know, at this point. you know, we all talk about that record and this and that, but you know, I don't, I don't think that records at the top of Josh's mind, obviously he'd get that record, 
but he'd get it by doing what he really wants to do. And that's, you know, and that's beat Chavi and, uh, and win a race. So it, it's going to be tough. I just, yeah, you know, everything that I've thought would go against him, he's somehow, you know, been able to turn it on its head and, and deal with it. So that's why I, uh, I tend to think he's going to be difficult to beat, but I definitely think Josh has a chance as well. So. Hey, Roger, you're, you're an old Kawasaki writer. I want to ask you about this, and what you've observed. Um, well, before I say that, let me just say the Vision Wheel M4 X-Star Suzuki team. I mean, Tyler Scott and Teague Hobbs. Teague has done a great job as a rookie in, in there. And, you know, clearly uh, Tyler Scott is just a smoldering fire all the time. I mean, the kid's got some wisdom and racecraft beyond his years. And, you know, we, we have yet to see his potential, but he's he's a factor for sure. But I've been hearing lately... Um, and I'm not going to get into the whole balancing thing, but I'm going to just say I've heard lately that 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 636 is is the is the alpha dog in that class. And Stefano also is riding extremely well uh, this year. Um, Josh Hayes told me he's not a club racer anymore. He's a he's a national caliber rider. And, you know, he's showing it for sure. I mean, he's integrated with that Tyler cycle team. Um, but Raj, you know, what a, talk about your old team green and that bike have you ever ridden a 636 and do you see that that thing's got maybe not maybe not an advantage but it's a it's a nice it's a good weapon i actually never uh rode the, the actual 636 because they rode that in the 750 super sport class before i got to kawasaki and then when i got to kawasaki the rules were the 600 and i rode the zx6 but uh, i think just to step on i think it is a really good bike Honestly, I mean, it looks as good as any of them out there. And I think for Stefano, talk about guys stepping up, he's found a, a couple levels this year. And I think a lot of that, you talk about, you know, the tightrope cycle, having a team. Before, you know, he was his own mechanic. He was in charge of getting the bikes there, the cruise hotels. I mean, he did it all. Ran the tires on the race weekend, working on the bikes during the red, you know, during practice in the pits. It's really hard to work on that mental stuff whenever you're doing that. Like looking at track maps or really thinking about where do I need to improve when I got to worry about, you know, I got to pick these tires up. So I got them ready for, for qualifying. And I think being able to to have that team and have some mechanics and really focus on his riding and riding at the front, he's really elevated his his game this year. All right, guys. I hate to bring it to a close, but we've we've covered a lot of stuff. We could go on all day long talking to Raj. Um, I appreciate your insight, Raj. You're somebody who's obviously been there, done that, and uh, you know what you're talking about. Sean, I'm glad you're still with us and you didn't throw in the towel yesterday and resign, do anything stupid like that. So, you know, if you're a jerk-off, you're our jerk-off, and we'll take that, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, you boys take care, and we'll see you in the land of 10,000 lakes here in a couple of weeks. All right, see you, fellas. Thanks. Bye.